All right, good morning, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here at the home office. It is a bright and early morning, Tuesday morning, April 23rd. So glad that you are here. Um, we call these times Romans Rewind. That's because we are taking 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning to take a portion of God's word that we preached on the previous Sunday and unpack it in a little more detail, explore themes that maybe we didn't get to, or maybe we would have liked to have said more. And we are in Romans 11. And one of the things that we talked about um, this past Sunday was the way that Paul uses his own personal testimony to advance the gospel. And I thought we would spend a little bit of time this morning talking about that some more and relating that back to the way we can use our own personal testimony personal testimony and story. So remember, um, Paul does not just willy-nilly decide um, he's going to talk about himself, okay? Um, he's talking about himself here in Romans 11 for a pastoral reason, a pastoral purpose. And of course, that purpose is to communicate to the um, readers at the church in Rome that God has not abandoned his people. How could God abandon the Jewish people? Paul is a Jew, God didn't abandon him. Paul's appealing to that autobiographical conversion experience to make that particular point. So let me read the passage in question and let's make a few observations. Romans 11, I ask then, has God rejected his people by no means? For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. So depending upon how old you are and what generation you were raised in, you undoubtedly um, have an orientation or a take or a leanings toward this idea of talking about yourself or talking about your feelings or sharing your story or not sharing your story. I would say that if you're from, shall we say, a more mature, okay, um, advanced in wisdom and years and age generation, you might have grown up in a culture or a family or a church that wasn't very comfortable talking about itself or talking about its feelings or self-disclosing in any sort of significant way. Um, this might be particularly true of generations that suffered a lot, right? Um, think about the World War II generation where they had to face the, the, um, the potential demise of a whole world culture um, by the Nazis and the Japanese um, combined with a um, um, a worldwide Great Depression, which threatened their economic security. In a lot of ways, all they knew to do was to put their nose down and work hard and endure and not complain. And that's why we call them, right, the greatest generation. But in a lot of ways, they didn't have time, okay, to complain, didn't have time to wane, didn't have uh, whine, didn't have time to talk about their feelings. If you think, though, more about a contemporary culture, um, the pendulum obviously has swung to far to the other side, right? Because now everyone knows everything about everybody. And we don't even have to try hard, right? You watch entertainment tonight. 
or you scroll through your Twitter feed, or you look at your Instagram post, or your Facebook timeline, and undoubtedly, you now have the ability to access more information about more people in a shorter amount of time than anywhere else in the history of the world. In fact, you could make the case that almost all social media is driven by the need to tell our story, or to give our perspective, or to disclose certain things about ourselves, regardless of how mundane or insignificant they might be. So you can see how that pendulum is swung, right? Well, as always, I think the Bible, it's not so much that the Bible splits the baby down the middle and gives us a middle path. It's more that the Bible provides a different way, a third way, and it gives us a means of gauging why we're sharing what we're sharing or what we should be sharing when we are sharing. And to help us understand that a little bit, I want to, I want to uh, point to two other places um, in the Bible where Paul talks about his story. And these are just two examples, but I think they're relevant. And I think there's a principle that we can draw out here that will help guide us moving forward. Okay. So Philippians 3, verse 12, um, Paul says, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, yeah, Philippians 3, actually, um, verse 2. Paul says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So if Paul was writing in our own contemporary culture, and he was posting this in a social media world, he would have stopped after verse six, right? Um, he's, he's laid out his pedigree. He's told us all about who he was in the past. I mean, this is Paul at the high school reunion, waxing eloquent about the glory days and all his great accomplishments. Except it's not that, right? Where is Paul when he's writing this? Paul is in prison. And Paul is not sharing his past accolades to show how good he was or how great he was. He's sharing his past accolades to show how foolish he was, right? Because what Paul is saying here is that he once valued all of these things, but now has come to realize that they are rubbish. And the Greek word literally means... Um, it's a word more harsh than rubbish. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he considers them garbage, filth, something to be thrown away, right? 
in light of knowing Jesus Christ, in light of being found in him, in light of having a righteousness from Christ that is given and credited to him. Paul simply highlighting these past accolades to show this is what I was putting my confidence in in the past, but let me tell you what I'm putting my confidence in in the future and right now. It's in Jesus. I mean, Paul's in prison. Um, this is nothing to be proud about. This is, this is a disgrace in many ways. It's a shame. And here he is. He's talking about all the things that he had prior to Christ. He now considers and knows, knows them to be useless apart from knowing Jesus Christ. So, so what's a principle here? Well, Paul shares about himself when it brings honor and glory to Christ, not when it brings honor and glory to Paul. All right, that, that's a principle, okay? Let's flip over now to Acts chapter 26. And Paul is, once again, a prisoner, and he is sharing his story, okay? And look at verse 12 in Acts 26. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place among, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So, once again, let's think about this being a social media Instagram post where someone spiritual, maybe even a religious leader, is bragging about their spiritual knowledge. Or maybe they're drawing attention to the fact that they've had amazing supernatural experiences. And let's be honest, Paul just had one. He's talking about Jesus Christ in the flesh appearing to him. And think about the way that Paul could have oriented the story, right? Paul could have oriented it in a way where, look, not everybody gets to gets a visit from the risen Lord. Not everybody gets to see Jesus, right? But that's not what Paul does. Paul is careful here to paint himself um, in the most realistic of lights. He says very clearly in this testimony, I, I was on the way to persecute. I thought I was doing the right thing. But Jesus had to rebuke me. Jesus had to spank me. Jesus had to confront me on the road. Um, Jesus had to um, appoint me as a slave to him because I was living a life for myself, all right? So, so you see the principle there once again. Paul discloses, Paul freely discloses, Paul freely shares about himself when he knows it will further the mission of the gospel, when he knows it will further the mission of the church. So, so what, what are some lessons that we can take from this? I think they should be fairly obvious, right? We, we all love talking about ourselves. We all love um, the humble brag. We all love to be seen in a particular light. That's part of our fallenness as humans. Um, it's even possible religiously 
to share our own testimony in a way that makes us the hero of the story. But one of the things that we can all think about and consider, as, as we talked about Sunday, that one of the most powerful tools we have in our evangelistic tool belt is our testimony, is to share our testimony, to share stories, to share about ourselves in a way that makes Jesus the hero, that makes God the central actor and not us. We don't have to lie about how terrible we are, right? We just need to tell the truth about who we are. And both the good and the bad. This is what God has done in my life. This is who I was. This is who I am now. Here's where I was excelling before. Then God showed me my brokenness in the present. I think you kind of get the idea. So I think going off our Sunday sermon where I'm exhorting us to, to think about using the power of our own autobiographical conversion and testimony, as Paul does, but to do it in a way that shifts the glory and the honor and the attention from us and what we've done to Jesus and what he has done for us. All right, back tomorrow, we're gonna to be in Romans chapter 11 again, working our way through that text. We hope you will join us then. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you're the hero of our story and we wanna make you the hero of our story. We wanna live in a way that magnifies you. So Lord, Give us the wisdom and the grace to know how to do that, to not draw attention to ourselves for attention's sake, but to draw attention to ourselves for your sake, to highlight the grace of God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.